Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where every other week or so we get into the nitty gritty of the Southern Hemisphere's famous white wines. That's right. And this time around, we are talking Shannon Blanc. Although apparently this one's not even called Shannon Blanc, it's a safari wine. It is. It's Shannon Blanc. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. just in the southern hemisphere oh yeah it's been everywhere and in fact it as you might guess began in france really yeah i know surprising surprising huh. that a varietal of wine <laughs> began in france and it began in france many hundreds of years ago as you might also guess with it being one of the nobles mm. which we should mention that there are nine varieties of noble grape if you've not caught any of our previous noble grape episodes before mm. Uh, so, Shannon, let's, well, I suppose let's do the, the history, the how it came to be here. The French Ampelographer, what a, what a title. Uh, Mr. Pierre Gallet has theorized that the Shannon Blanc originated in the Anjou wine region sometime in the 9th century and from there traveled to Touraine by at least the 15th century and spread from there. And it was in uh, 1496 that several grape varieties were brought in from the Burgundy wine region of Brune, the Jura wine region of Abois, and nearby Orleans and Anjou, that one of those varieties known as Plante d'Anjou was later planted between 1520 and 1535 at a nearby site known as Mount Shannon, in Touraine by the Lord of Chateau de Chenonceau and his brother-in-law, Denis Briconnet, the Abbot of Cormory. And ampelographers believe that Plante d'Anjou was like Shannon Blanc and that it got its name from Mount Shannon, where it was planted. Mm. So in the coming years, the uh, poets and writers raved about the, the white grapes of Anjou and even mentioning the medicinal qualities of the grapes. Um, medicinal qualities of the grapes. That's so full of crap, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's wine. It's not, uh, it's not the water of life. Uh, and from France, it's theorized that it uh, tra- spread to South Africa during, with the uh, Dutch East India Company. Well, and uh, according to the South African Shannon Blanc Association... Of course, there's one of those. (laughs) It arrived there in 1655 during the time of Governor Jan van Riebeek. And uh, early documents refer to three varieties. uh, Grondruif, Fransdruif and Steen... And it seems that the origins of Thranstruif and Steen are intertwined, and there is a theory that the name Steen developed when the Dutch who settled in Cape Cod 
decoded Listan to Listan, then Destin, and finally Steen. Mm. And Steen later came to be known as Shannon Blanc. Or is it the other way around? Because that was its... Well, that was the name that it acquired locally mm. after making its way over there in 1655. I, l- I love these local names for different grapes. They, they sort of capture the... Uh, culture and the and the language around then. Yeah, well, and sadly, that sort of thing has resulted in a great deal of confusion about Chenin Blanc because it travelled so broadly mm. under so many different names that yeah. a number of people questioned when it actually got to Australia. Yeah, because uh, in, in the early days, Chenin Blanc was all, often misidentified, so uh, tracing its early history is not easy, but the common theory is that it might have been in uh, James Busby's collection of uh, vine cuttings in from around 1832, uh, but a man, but someone called uh, C. Waterhouse was growing steen at Hyacombe in Horton, South Australia, in 1862. So we've got two two dates that are about 30 years apart for. The origin in Australia. Yeah, and one that is confirmed and it's known. Definitely it was growing here from at least 1862. Yeah. But maybe 30 years before that. Mm. And I think one of the reasons why it was so commonly misidentified is that it has very close siblings with a lot of other very popular grapes like Sauvignon Blanc. And the other uh, white grape variety, Trousseau. Is it Trousseau? Is that how you pronounce it? Um, probably not, but I don't think my attempt would be any better than yours. So oh. we'll say Trousseau, yeah. Trousseau, uh, 100% French. Um, they, yeah, the DNA evidence says that it has a sibling relationship between those two grapes and a uh, a uh, parent-offspring relationship with a grape variety called Savagnin. Mm, and supposedly also an aunt-uncle relationship with Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. You still following, guys? <laughs> yeah. This, this is getting a bit confusing. Uh, it also There's other DNA evidence to suggest a crossing of Shannon and the Hunnic grape Gouze... Gouze? Oh, that's the one you said before. Gouze Blanc. Um, produced several varieties, including the Balzac Blanc, Combi... Colombard and Messier Saint-Francois varieties. Yeah, and uh, in South Africa, they crossed it with the Italian wine grape Trebbiano to produce Weldra and Chanel. And uh, Chenin Blanc has also been frequently confused with other grape varieties with whom it does not have a close relationship, including the Portuguese wine Verdello, which is usually grown in Madeira, and the Azores, as well as the Spanish wine grape, Albilo, which was confused with Chenin Blanc in Australia for a while. Yeah. And there's a very good reason for that, which we will get to after we taste this wine. Yes. Because once we start talking about taste, uh, it's all over. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to come into once we start talking about taste. So let's... I guess read off this label first, because there's actually writing on the label, not a lot of it. Well, none of it says Chenin Blanc. Yeah. But but what what are we drinking? The Army of Grapes Safari White 2019 from Slanghoek, South Africa. Mm. And it says, 
Travels to the interior districts of Africa were mysterious and dangerous, but the source of great grapes is now in hand. This safari is your wine of exploration, a confluence of mystique and adventure, a river of gold. It tells us nothing about the flavor or yeah. what it is, and nowhere on the bottle does it say Chenin Blanc. Mm. But it is a Chenin Blanc. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> because the website that I purchased it from has a listing put up by the winemaker which lists it as a Chenin Blanc. There you go. Well, I'm excited to try it because I haven't had a Chenin Blanc yet. And I haven't had a still Chenin Blanc. I've only had sparkling, mm. which I really enjoyed. But we'll get into why there is still and sparkling and other things a bit later on. Mm. After, after this drink. Yes. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, the smell immediately, before you even taste it, the smell. It's sort of fruity and floral. Wow, that is really fruity. Mm. And a little woody too, definitely in terms of flavor. Yeah. That's that's really light. I can kind of see why you'd get confused with other grape varieties. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's light, it's fruity, it's fragrant. Mm. And easy on the palate too. Yeah, very refreshing. Yeah, a, a typical, uh, typical Southern Hemisphere wine, I would say. Mm, very clean finish, though a little, um, little bit of lasting, almost um, well, a little bit of sort of lingering fruit flavor on the palate. Mm. Like. Um, um, like a raspberry finish, almost. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to put my finger on what that sort of... Because there's a very distinct flavor that kind of lingers. Is it like peach or nectarine? Like the skin of a peach or nectarine? Oh, that's probably what it is, yeah. Yeah. Stone fruit, mm. if you will. Stone fruit, yes, <laughs> yes. That sort of uh, little tart burst as you finish the, the yeah. bite of stone fruit. Yeah, because it's not... It's not overly tart, but there's a tiny bit. It's yeah, it's a hint. A hint, yeah. There's just the tiniest bit of tannins. This is great. Mm. Yeah, it is terrific. Mm. I'm a fan. I would drink this again. Assuming I can get one. <laughs> yeah, well, undoubtedly you can acquire such a thing. Yeah. But the thing i guess to talk about is let's start going about the versatility because for for food pairings obviously this is immensely versatile well that's also the problem that we that we'll probably get into later as well it's you kind of have to pick a particular uh vineyard that produces chenin blanc because it's so versatile like it, it's kind of a uh a wine that does everything uh, an all-rounder yeah and a really good all-rounder which is why you can get it like this as a straight flat chenin blanc you can get it as a sparkling you can get it as a betritus mm. it comes in multiple different blends yeah because naturally something with such a good neutral fruity starting point is great for taking the bite out of something that's too bitey adding a little bit of 
extra fruitiness to something that might be lacking. It's mm. or uh, softening the flavor of something that's uh, very bold. Yeah. So immensely versatile for blending, for drinking straight, mm. and as I guess we could get into in a little more detail when we start talking about the viniculture of it, the way you grow it and when you choose to harvest it has a massive effect on the flavor. Yeah, the the biggest difference. Now, like down to the type of soil you're growing it in, yeah, the type of the, earth you're growing it in. It is also, though, a varietal that is quite unforgiving when it comes to variation in climate. Mm. It needs consistency. Yeah. And and that's it. So the Chenin Blanc grapevine, it buds early in the growing season and ripens mid to late in the harvest year. However, in warm years, the balance between the marginal climate and the warmth needed to attain full ripeness has the potential of producing wines with some depth of complexity and finesse. So it does all right in slightly warmer climates. That's probably why it's grown so well in Australia and South Africa. Yeah, though the areas of South Africa where it grows are certainly the colder ones. Yeah, well, cold for South Africa is not that cold. No, that's that's true. <laughs> um, so the climate will largely, climate of the wine region will largely dictate whether the whether this wine is produced in a predominantly sweet or dry manner, uh, while the soil type will generally influence the overall style. Like what I what we were saying just before. Yeah. The like clay based soils will uh develop weighty botrytized uh dessert wines that need time and age to mature. And apparently it is fantastic for aging as a botrytized wine. Which I guess makes good sense. And the uh the older vines even without noble rot tend to yield a less fruity, more complex sort of a wine, but the yield is lower. Hmm. So as a general rule, they're going to try to avoid that because they want to maximize their yield, produce as much wine as they can. Which, which is an but, interesting problem. It Well, it creates an interesting problem because the higher the yield with the Chenin Blanc wine, uh, vineyard, vineyard, with the Chenin Blanc vine, the less flavor it has. Yeah, so they need to find that middle ground. Mm. And I guess if they do end up producing a very high yield, that's where you blend. In the Loire, in France, the Fre- the French government regulations mandate that the yields must be kept low. So 40 to 50 hectolitres per hectare. So that's, that's very, very low compared to uh, other places like uh, California and uh, parts of South Africa. So California producing... Uh, 175 hectolitres per hectare or 10 tonnes per acre. And South Africa producing uh, nearly double that. Yeah, which is interesting. It certainly makes you wonder, did what we're drinking now come from a high-yield vine or a low-yield vine? The only way we could find out is if we shot a message to the uh, vineyard. Yeah, exactly. And admittedly, I don't think the Slanghoek region is the part of South Africa known for growing that grape. Mm. Um, so uh, uh, what they do to keep these yields in check, 
vineyard managers can uh, graft Chenin vines with less vigorous rootstock from Vitis riparia or Vitis rupestra vines. Uh, and this, given given this, uh, given that this uh, is a variety of Vitis vinifera, it sh- it does quite well. So optimal ripeness and balance between the acidity and sugars of many of sh- balance between acidity and sugars being such a vitical such a viticultural priority for Chenin Blanc. Many growers uh, harvest the grapes in tries or successful pickings through the vineyard. Uh, during each series, they they only pick the ripest clusters of individual grapes over a period of four to six weeks. That way they can work out which is the which is going to be the nicest of the bunch. Um, it's kind of like a... We don't know when this is going to be good, so we're kind of guessing kind of approach to the, to doing it. Yeah, and that's... That's crazy. That's a heck of a way to, to grow wine, but I suppose with something like this, which is versatile but touchy, no matter what you get, it's it, probably a win. You just don't know what the flavor profile is going to be. Yeah. It's probably okay in one aspect, but yeah. Wow. So, uh, have you got anything more to say about viticulture? It is as widely grown as you might expect for something that's so versatile. Hmm. It's naturally still growing in France, still in the Loire Valley where it originated. Where they think it originated. Yes, where they think it originated. And they still grow quite a lot of it there. Uh, In 2008, they were growing 24,290 acres. Somewhere around, probably, because we we can assume increases since 2008. So let's assume there's probably around 25,000 acres minimum of of that growing in France. It does account for around 1.2% of all French plantings. That's a tiny portion. France must be like all vineyards. <laughs> yeah, it really must because there's so many wines that originated there and they still grow them. Yeah. Or are believed to have originated there and they still grow oh, them. Man. I'm going to have to go to France and just, just do like a wine wine touring of France spend like months spend like months traveling around just going to all these different vineyards and tasting wine yeah I think you'd want to get a bicycle and know that it's okay to cycle drunk because you would just be cycling from vineyard to vineyard to vineyard to vineyard yeah or I just get a taxi and sleep on the road I don't know don't judge yeah, so <laughs> while we're talking about places that grow wine, we of course have to talk about South Africa, where Chenin Blanc is the most widely planted variety, accounting for nearly one-fifth of all plantings. Wow. So it it's almost a national grape at this point. Yeah, well, it's um, in 2008, they were growing 46,580 acres. Oof. That's a lot of wine. That's a lot, Yeah. Nearly twice the amount that was growing in France. Mm. And the majority of plantings are found in the Western Cape region of Pal in the Cape Winelands District Municipality. Uh, where is the where is this one from? 
So this wine is from Slanghoek, which is within the Western Cape wine region. Hmm. Uh, about smack bang in the middle, didn't you say? Yeah, certainly looks that way on a map. Mm. And um, yeah, they. So we already mentioned when it was introduced into the country as Steen. <laughs> mm, as Steen, and in the late 1960s and early 1970s, Chenin Blanc was the principal grape in the South African wine industry's white wine renaissance. That was ushered in by the introduction of new technologies like temperature-controlled fermentation vessels. Mm. And during that time, the focus was on producing off-dry, clean, crisp wine that was mostly neutral in flavor and could capitalize on the wine market's demand for white wine. But near the end of the 20th century, several Chenin Blanc specialist producers emerged and worked with vineyard managers to isolate older Chenin vines in uh, suitable locations, with the goal being to produce wines that exhibited Chenin's unique aromas and traits, much like this one we're drinking now. Mm. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, talking about yields, they do grow it in the U.S., and yep. um, during the 1980s, apparently the California wine industry had more acreage of Chenin Blanc planted than France. But then the numbers steadily declined, and by 2006, there were only about 13,000 acres, 5,300 hectares. Mm. Well, when California produces much better Sauvignon Blancs and Chardonnays, why would they uh, spend the spend the area... I suppose, spend the space to produce Chenin Blanc. Well, exactly. And the amount that they're growing actually dropped again. And by 2010 was down to 2,923 hectares. Oh, that's not much at all. So they're, they're growing bugger all now. Like yeah. very, very little. Mm. But it would be interesting to taste wine from each of these regions. Taste the same grape variety from each region. Yeah, though they had a completely different use for it over there. Apparently, for most of its history in the California wine industry, it was considered a workhorse variety that could be used anonymously in bulk and jug wine blends. (laughs) So basically, cask wine. They would just blend it with other stuff to throw it into the cheap crap. I suppose dry white. Yeah. And uh, apparently Shannon's natural acidity and ability to adapt to wines of varying degrees of sweetness made it an ideal blending partner with the Columbard and Chardonnay in mass-produced blends. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so, in, I suppose in Australia, we've got about uh, 1,500 acres or 610 hectares of Chenin Blanc. And it's mostly grown as a blending variety used with Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, and Semillon. Yeah, and tends to be grown in Tasmania, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, and the Swan Valley and Margaret River areas of Western Australia. Basically the southern half of Australia. In the cold bits. Yeah, yeah. Where, where Australia gets cold. Because it does get cold here. Yeah, not in, by, in places. Not by Canadian standards, <laughs> but... Oh, hell no. But cool, it drops below zero sometimes. It was like minus four the other day in Canberra. Yeah, it gets down there. Yeah, it's, that's so cold. Bugger that. And apparently wine expert James Halliday describes the style of Australian Chenin Blanc as tutti-frutti. 
with pronounced fruit salad notes. Fruit salad, hey. But the wines produced in Western Australia have apparently garnered more critical attention. So that's interesting. They must be getting different flavor profiles over there, possibly mm. from differing soil. Oh, yeah, I would say that's definitely it. Um, well, the, well, obviously, the soil in the middle of Australia is very red and nickel heavy. Yeah, and that's okay. going to make a difference. Yeah, I wonder if... Um, I wonder if that's had any... I wonder what that effect it has on the on the flavour. Yeah, so in New Zealand, they were growing 50 hectares in 2008. 50? 50. 50 uh, a whopping 50 hectares of Chenin Blanc, planted primarily on the North Island. Hmm. And they've been using it for blending as well primarily for blending with the Mula Thalgau in mass-produced blends again. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, and of course it's also grown in South America, Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay, where they confused it for Pinot Blanc for a little while. Yeah. And again, primarily used in mass-produced white blends. Hmm. So finding a straight... Shannon Blanc. It's kind of hot. Yeah. yeah. As, as with a lot of these very versatile, noble wines we've talked about, that it's difficult to find them not blended into something. But if you can't find it, it's interesting to taste it because you can taste the flavor in other, for in the, in the blend. After, yeah. Afterwards. Well, yeah, having tasted this, I can immediately think of a number of blended whites that I definitely tasted these flavors in. Yeah. And I've had a couple of cask wines here and there, and it, you can definitely taste the flavors in that. Um, I haven't got anything else. Uh, no, that's it for me as well. This was... Um, we should, uh, of course, give this a bottle cap rating. Oh, yes. Um, you said it was hard to find, didn't you? Uh, well, not through the wine well i mean admittedly through the wine site that i acquired it they had a couple of different varieties of shannon okay but i i can't say i've seen shannon blanc at the bottle shop before yeah no i i think you would probably have to go to a specialist wine bottle shop or mm. a website that just sells wine yep that makes sense uh, so in that case, I'm going to rate it a eight and a half because it's pretty good. It's very easy to drink. Um, I guess it's got a medium amount of flavor. I can't pick a lot of complexity to it, but who knows? This is, That could be just this particular variety. Um, and, you know, it loses also loses points for being very hard to get. Yeah, it is or one ch- of those challenging to get. Mm, it is one of those ones that's far more common in blends. Mm. So and blend blend it does very well. Oh yeah. So yes, I think I'd probably also give it about an eight. If this were the sparkling Chenin Blanc that I've had, I'd I might give it the same marking that you gave it of an eight and a yeah. half. Yeah. The the sparkling seems to add a extra level of complexity to it that I quite enjoy. But we did deserve giving it this. Straight up, unaltered, 
Yes. As is for the episode. 100%. So it's an eight from me and an eight and a half from you. Yep. And that's it for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So if you liked what you heard, everyone, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are a good drop all about alcohol on your favorite podcast app, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. And uh, you can also find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram as a good drop podcast. Mm. Uh, And if you want to check out our quite large library of previous episodes, jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au. And if you've got any comments, questions, feedback, suggestions for future episodes, if you've got a wine variety you think we should know about, send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. And do be sure to subscribe so you can catch our next episode when we eventually put it up, because it's going to be a fantastic (laughs) one. We are going blind country hopping. Yes, we are going to try the same variety, same uh, spirit. Same spirit. From, and trying to pick the country it's from. Yes, so same spirit from three different countries without us knowing which country it's from. We'll, of course, tell you which spirit in the next episode, and you'll know it immediately when you look at it. Mm. But for now, it's a mystery. Yes. Until then, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.